From ransomware to a state of emergency to gas shortages and canceled or delayed flights. And all of this happening in just a few days. But what exactly happened and what can we do going forward? Today, we're going to step away from our typical format to discuss the Colonial Pipeline attack and its implications. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal Podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. As I begin preparing for the show this week, obviously the pipeline attack was going to be the clear top story for the news beat. But as I began to dig deeper into what happens and how it affects all of us going forward, it was clear that this topic was worthy of its own episode. So as I mentioned in the introduction, we're going to devote this entire episode to the topic of the pipeline attack. The ransomware attacked the Colonial Pipeline Company, the company that runs a refined oil pipeline that runs for almost 5,500 miles. It begins near Houston and runs through over 10 states across the Gulf and then up the Atlantic coast, all the way to New Jersey. It is the largest pipeline system, and when running at peak efficiency, it can carry up to 3 million barrels of fuel per day. So first, you're probably wondering, what exactly happened? Well, we don't know for sure at this point. Like any major event, many of the details are unclear or based on rumor and speculation. Most of the information I've seen so far has been based on media reports, which may or may not be completely accurate, depending on their sources. So for the purpose of this episode, when I know that something is speculation or unconfirmed reporting, I'll be sure to identify it. But there may be other reports that are somewhat speculative, but the media hasn't identified as such. All that to say... I'm not going to intentionally share anything with you that I know to be untrue, but the details could change in the coming days, or even in the 24 hours, that will elapse between the recording of this show and its release. So here's what I can gather. On Friday, May 7th, the network for the Colonial Pipeline Company was hit with a ransomware attack. Most reports say that the pipeline's control systems were not affected by the ransomware, but that the pipeline was shut down due to concerns that the attackers may have obtained data that could compromise the systems or the pipeline itself. Like most ransomware attacks against major companies, the ransom was demanded not just to decrypt the files, but also to prevent them from being made available publicly. The pipeline shutdown disrupted operations throughout the southern and eastern United States. Some flights from Charlotte were canceled or forced to make additional stops for fuel, 
and other airports had to turn to other fuel suppliers to meet their needs. Shortages of gasoline also began to occur across the South, pushing fuel prices higher and leading to a run on fuel at many stations. Despite cautions from the government about panic buying, many people filled up their tanks, their gas cans, and in some cases, whatever they could find that might hold fuel, even plastic bags, as recorded in one viral incident. Reports have claimed that the company paid the ransom in order to get access restored quickly, but those were not confirmed by either the company or government agencies. However, the reports also claimed that the decryption tool that was provided by the attackers worked too slow and that Colonial then opted to restore from backups rather than wait for the decryption to be completed. Fortunately, Colonial reported that the pipeline was operational again late last week, but they said the disruptions in supply could continue for some time. The attack has been attributed to the Dark Side Hacking Group, which is believed to operate out of Russia or some other Eastern European country. This is at least the fourth attack by the group on American oil and gas infrastructure, but it's certainly possible there have been more that haven't been attributed to them. The U.S. government hasn't specified whether it has taken any action against the Dark Side Group, but a statement the group released said that they were ceasing operations due to, quote, unspecified pressure. While the group was vague on details, it said it had lost access to its public-facing systems, including its blog and its payment server. So where do we go from here? Exactly what we need to do is a challenging decision, and it's complicated even more by the fact that the general rules surrounding cyber events are so unclear. If a country or a terrorist group attacked the physical infrastructure of our country, we would likely consider it an act of war and respond in kind. But does a cyber attack that didn't actually damage any physical infrastructure rise to that level? If our country was attacked physically, we would likely respond with a similar or possibly greater physical attack. But things are much less clear in cyberspace. So far, we've treated cyber incidents like this as criminal activity, and we've treated hacking groups like we used to treat organized crime. So far, we've not labeled events like this an act of war or an act of terror. But with events like this occurring more frequently, that could change soon. The other factor we have to consider is that many attackers are not affiliated or only loosely affiliated with nations. Darkseid is believed to operate out of Russia and with some level of permission from the Russian government, but the government doesn't seem to exercise much control over groups like this. It seems that as long as these groups aren't targeting Russian individuals or companies, they're permitted to operate against international targets by the government. But how do you respond to a cyber attack if the government hasn't sanctioned or is only loosely affiliated with the group that did the attack? If a foreign country attacked our energy infrastructure, we might decide to hack back and attack that country's infrastructure in return. But you can't target the energy infrastructure of a hacking group 
that doesn't deal in oil and gas. Very few countries actually run their own national cyber attack programs. Most countries prefer to operate like the Russian government. They permit groups to operate as long as they don't hit targets within their borders. And they'll call in favors from these groups from time to time in exchange for the safe harbor. But generally, governments like to keep their distance so that the attacks can't be directly tied to the government. On top of that, attributing an attack to a particular group is challenging enough just as it is. Trying to go further to prove the involvement of a government is going to be near impossible. So all that to say that exactly what our response should be isn't totally clear. The one thing I know for sure is that I'm glad I'm not the president or the one who has to make the final recommendation on how to respond. But there's another factor of the response that must be considered. We certainly do need to take action against the groups that did this, but we also must take action inside our own nation to secure our infrastructure. A simple ransomware attack disrupted the fuel supply for a significant portion of the country. And it doesn't even seem like disrupting our fuel supply was the goal of this attack. What could an attack targeted directly at disrupting our energy infrastructure do? And what if that attack wasn't targeted at our energy supply, but at something even more critical, like the power grid? Our government must take this threat seriously. As this attack showed, America's critical infrastructure is vulnerable to a number of different threats. Some of the problem may be due to the fact that much of the infrastructure is controlled by private companies. And I'm not saying that the government should take over these industries, but both the government and private companies need to work together to establish standards to protect these industries. Many officials have expressed concern regarding the security of Colonial's networks. Based on the reports I've heard, I share many of those same concerns. Colonial took the pipeline offline because they were concerned about the attackers affecting their operational systems. One of the basic principles of securing operational systems is to keep the controls on a separate network. If the Colonial Pipeline Company was concerned about the possibility of attackers moving from their business systems to their operational systems, it would seem that the systems were not kept as separate as they should have been. The industries must also be willing to work with the government when an attack happens. Many of the details of the response are still unclear, but in a congressional hearing this week, White House officials indicated that their roles were limited by the fact that Colonial is a private company. Once again, I'm not saying I think the government should seize control of these industries, but there must be an understanding that permits government involvement and data sharing to help respond to a critical issue. We shouldn't have the government left in the dark while critical infrastructure is under attack. Last week, President Biden signed an executive order aimed at hardening the security of our critical infrastructure. 
While I think many of the concepts in the order are on the right track, I also think many of the things in there could have been done under existing law and regulations. So in conclusion, here are some of the first steps I think we need to take. First, we need to clearly define for ourselves what constitutes a cyber war and what is criminal activity. Can we call this event an act of war? The line is extremely blurry in this case, especially since we don't know and probably will never know the true connection between the attackers themselves and the government that's harboring them. Second, we need to formulate a response plan. It seems that some of this may have already started with the takedown of DarkSide's websites and payment systems, but we need to go further. We need to make sure that groups know that it will not be profitable to go after our critical systems. And we must also make sure that governments that allow these groups to operate within their bounds know that they will also face consequences. But what consequences should we use? Military action seems unlikely to respond to an event like this, and sanctions, which have been suggested by many people, have a mixed history of working. There is one element that might hold some promise, though. Many of the Eastern European countries that harbor these criminals also receive military aid from the United States. Perhaps the threat of that aid being withheld could prompt some of them to action. And third, companies, security researchers, and governments must work together to make sure our critical infrastructure is secure. There must be more cooperation and discussion among all three of these groups about what sectors must be protected, how they can best be secured, and the steps that companies should take first to move in the right direction. And this absolutely cannot be a one-time cooperation. As the threat landscape evolves, these agencies must make appropriate changes to keep our infrastructure secure. Fortunately, President Biden's executive order began the process of creating a task force to analyze the threats our infrastructure faces and how we can best secure against those threats. If there is one thing that the government can do now, it is to get out of the way and not let this task force get slowed down with the bureaucracy that often comes from government. I don't believe this problem is insurmountable, but it will take a lot of work to make sure we get it right. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening, and I hope this episode helped clear up a little bit of what happened and what we need to do going forward. This week, I had planned to discuss how to give your devices and your data a spring cleaning, so we will do that next Monday instead. So until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. 
Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit CybersecurityMadePersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.